You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, though, man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. You got it. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown six pass touchdown of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it's a football Friday. We have a game tomorrow night in Jacksonville to help me take a look at that and training camp so far, or I should say the bookend of training camp. Former Dolphins wide receiver, host of the Fish Tank podcast, OJ McDuffie, is jumping in, or jumping in shotgun, I should say, here on the Drive Time podcast. Plus, I'm going to give you my 10 takeaways from training camp, all of that and a heck of a lot more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time podcast. Caroline kicks us off as let's go ahead and get to my interview now with former Dolphins wide receiver, my friend, OJ McDuffie. And joining me today on the podcast is a man who needs no introduction, but I will steal his co-host introduction, the best hands in the podcast game, OJ Juice McDuffie. Juice, what's up, baby? Man, you know what, Travis? Not too much, man. I don't know what other former wide receivers do podcasts, but (laughs) as far as we know, I do have the best hands in the game. That's for sure. I feel like if we went out there and actually put this to the test, you'd probably come up on top. I, like you said, I don't know who else is out there. I know Brandon Marshall's a big podcaster, but uh, yeah, he's got good hands too. He's got you hands. had 100 catches, man. I don't in an era where that was not a, a common thing. So <laughs> I'm giving that title to you. you. You always call yourself, you know, almost self-deprecating a possession receiver, but we know you are much more than that, Juice. And like you are a great interviewer on the Fish Tank podcast, also a great analyst for us here. Uh, on the draft time podcast and we haven't had you on this camp man you've been out to camp a few times and checked out some practices just want to get your overall gauge so far of, of kind of your takeaways from camp what you've seen from the team when you've come out here and watched us practice yeah there have been quite a few things travis one thing that you notice right away is glaring is our team speed our, our team speed on both sides of the football is second to none uh, in the league you know and i you know i've seen some fast teams where, where i've seen fast positions but when you look around you see offensive linemen that can move. Uh, you see wide receivers that can move. You see running backs, obviously, that can move. But then you look on the other side of football, in, in the secondary, you got guys that can move and linebackers that are incredible. And we haven't seen much of Christian, you know what I mean? And that, I understand why. But Christian's a, uh, Christian Wilkins is a guy on the, offensive, on the defensive line that, that moves very well. Uh, Zach Sealer, you know what I mean? He moves very well. And, of course, our guys on the edge. Man, do they move well. So what the first thing I really notice is, is team speed. Our, our team speed is, is unbelievable. And then, you know, then you, you know what I've noticed too, Travis, is, you know, a lot of experimenting that goes on out there, especially on, on the offense side of the ball. Now, defense, there's a lot of guys that are learning new defense. So I get that their, you know, their attention to detail is a little bit different than what you'd want to do on offense, where you got some guys that have been there, they're familiar with the offense, and they go out there and we're trying some things. Some things work, some things don't. That's what you do. That's why you have practice. That's why you have training camp. And so those are the two things that I really can take from our team speed and the fact that we're out there trying some things to see what works. And uh, and I love, and I love, love, love 
how Coach McDaniel and Coach Vic Fangio, how they mix some of the twos and threes in with the ones. So you can see how good they really are when they're going with, you know, the, the top end guys on our football team. Yeah, two, your two comments there towards the end kind of blend together a thing I wanted to mention because I put it in my column on Thursday recapping the final day of practice how it's kind of a nebulous uh, approach to track touchdown passes in training camp because some days you run every single play from your own 20-yard line, so you're probably not going to have touchdowns those days. But we were treated to quite a treat here on Thursday uh, as pretty much the entire practice ran through red zone and two or through a, a, I don't even know how many it was. It was like seven or eight touchdown passes uh, in the practice. And in to your final point there did it largely without Tyreek who practiced about half the day. And then he threw a bunch of touchdowns to chosen to Cedric, to Braxton Berrios, a bunch of guys that are competing for playing time to fill out the roles beyond uh, both Tyreek and Jalen. And I want to come back to that point here in just a second, but you said something else that piqued my interest juice because uh, one of my themes this off season of, you know, asking experts in the podcast, asking coach, asking players is to get kind of tangible explanations for what the second year in a system can do to make it more second nature for a player. And I'm thinking as you're talking about team speed, like what do we say all the time about how guys, the game slows down for them? It's it's the experience in a certain system experience in the league. How do you think the second year in the system here for Mike McDaniel can further accentuate all that team speed they have. Because I have to imagine that last year as you're getting your feet wet, there's a little more thinking, but this year probably less so, right? That is exactly it, Chuck. The thinking part. You know, the thinking part is what slows players down. It, it really does. When you have to think, instead of knowing what you're doing and just reacting to what you see in front of you, you know, especially as a wide receiver, I mean, a, a coverage can change in a heartbeat. Uh, in the slot, somebody can come off the edge as a nickel blitzer or a dime blitzer, and you have to make adjustments. But when you don't have to think about it, when it's like second nature, and you're not thinking about your assignment before you get out there, you know, you know, I mean, guys come out of the huddle and they're thinking, like, wait a minute, uh, I play, uh, I got to do what I have to do in that one. And now these guys, second year in this offense, they go out there and they know what their assignment and their adjustment is before they get to the line of scrimmage. And Coach Ford always talked about that. Know your assignment and your adjustment before you get to the line of scrimmage. And I think that's what happens when you're in the second year. Uh, there's no, um, you know, there's no verbiage that, you know, that you don't understand, that you haven't heard before, that that confuses you. And I think you'd be able to take that next level, that next step to, you know, for guys to be able to go out there and you can add to what we had last year. You know, we had the base last year and then we made adjustments during the season. But now you've got all that base and adjustments from last year. And you can go into the offseason and into this camp with all that new knowledge and these guys are more comfortable with it. I'm sure. I always have an appreciation for when, you know, guys like yourself or even Tua, for that matter, talk about, you know, the, the verbiage, like you talked about there, because it is a lot and it's, it's a lot of classroom and studying. And there's a reason these guys are kind of put through the mental aptitude test before they get to the league, when the draft process runs out, because, you know, all the physical traits in the world are great. And those guys tend to find their way, you know, into lineups and into the draft and, you know, high up on depth charts. But at the end of the day, the great players are the ones that can process quickly and really do things from a mental standpoint. So it's, uh, it's the best of both worlds. And speaking of that juice, I, I want to ask you a question here that goes back to the wideouts. Why would let me go towards the wildest here talking to OJ McDuffie. Uh, I think you're, I, I believe, well, we've only done game balls one time so far in the post-game show, and you're one for one on wide receivers. And I have a feeling I'm kind of walking you into your answer here, but I, I mentioned it. 
Three touchdowns to end practice today to Chosen, to Braxton Berrios, to Cedric Wilson. Two of those guys, newcomers. Three of those guys really obviously competing for, you know, for roles and work come the regular season. Just wanted to get your take on the the rest of the wideouts, the, the newcomers. Let's go ahead and throw Eric Ezukama in there as well because he's obviously a second year in River Craycraft. Just want to get your take on the wide receivers outside of Tyreek and Jalen and what you see from that group of players. It's such a great group. It's such a great room, you know. I mean, you and I were talking a couple of days ago at practice and we're like, man, you know, it's, it's one of the toughest cuts we've seen. And there's guys that are fighting for us possibly keeping six guys, six guys at wide receiver on the roster. And it probably could be seven guys. And man, it's just, it's just a tough camp for, for what we're talking about when it comes to wide receivers. I mean, we know what Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle bring to the table. And then, you know, my, one of my favorites, of course, is Braxton Berrios and what he brings to the table. Chosen is showing up lately, you know, in, in camp. I think Cedric Wilson started to feel the heat. And Eric, as a comma, you know, man, oh, man. I, it, we're talking about the second year in. I can't imagine anybody that benefited more in their second year in than Eric, as a comma, easy E. Um, and so, man, it's a great room. And that's a great problem. You got a bunch of guys that do a lot of different things. You got some guys that are great blockers. They all under the under two leads of Wes Walker go out there and, and do their best at blocking. But some of them are really, really good blockers. So and the great route route runners. So I mean, it's a very, very talented group. I think they 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 pluck some guys out uh, that are part of this team that are well rounded. And that's what Wes Walker was, a well-rounded receiver. And it just it benefits the whole squad, man. So, I mean, it, it, it's fun. It's fun to go out there and watch. When you hear, you know, and I, I'm reading your tweets that, you know, that, you know, Waddle's not out there. Tyreek's not out there the whole time. But you see other guys scoring. That usually doesn't happen. I know there was a, a, a tough adjustment period, you know, the other day. But who knows what they were working on in that in that period. I, I crack up when people said, you know, um, the offense fluttered or what, what might have. Are you serious? You do know what they're actually trying to get accomplished today? Because, nope, we don't know, you know. So don't say they fluttered. Are they trying things? Are they trying to give guys opportunities? Um, you know, and, and then when you come out there, you know, yesterday and you see all these guys that have done all this great work without the number one guys out there that tells you that, you know, they're, they're finding the, their niche and they've got some guys that can go out there and get it done. Uh, of course, we, we're we're gung-ho about what Tyreek and what Jalen does and what they do on the football field. But man, it's great to have some other guys that can go out there and make plays as well. I'm, I'm so excited to see how it plays out and how those guys find their roles in the team. Cause like, like you said, they all can do something a little bit different. That's the kind of way you want to build a receiver room with, you know, a multifaceted skill sets. And obviously the top two guys being good at pretty much everything they do. So that's a, a good place to start. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question to you juice, because you can give us a perspective that uh, you've seen it before. You've seen how it works together. And obviously towards the end of Danny's days down here, we had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I think was his first and, and only 1000 yard rusher that Danny ever had. And we've seen the running game kind of come to life here in the exhibition season and in the training camp, obviously, how does that benefit a wide receiver when you get the, I know the linebacker sucking up obviously kind of gives you more space, but I just want to kind of have your breakdown on how effective running game makes the job obviously of the quarterback easier, but how does it make it better or easier for the wide receivers? It, it, man, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, and no matter what though, with this group of wide receivers, I think every team we run into Travis is going to be um, stop the pass first. I think the I think the I think the running backs are going to benefit more from us having great receivers and a and a, and a, and a good really good quarterback than the, than we would as as wide receivers with a run game. But if we can show the ability to run the ball and stick with it, 
Could you imagine Tyreek or Jalen or Barrios getting one-on-one opportunities throughout a game? Can you imagine Chosen, you know, or, you know, or, or Easy e or, you know, Cedric or whoever is on, or, or Craycraft getting one-on-ones? One-on-ones is all we ask for. You know, <laughs> as a wide receiver, that's all we want is an opportunity to beat, you know, man-to-man. You've been out there to practices. The majority of the time, the wide receiver in one-on-one situations is going to win when he has no help, when he has, you know, single high help, or whatever it might be. So a run game is just going to enhance our ability and a wide receiver's ability to, to be effective. I mean, and if you can run it, run it, run it, and then make them commit to the, to the box, bring somebody down, then you get the one-on-ones on the outside, it, 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 goes, it goes hand in hand. So I think that the running backs are going to love the fact there's going to be a light box, uh, you know what I mean, because of what we have outside. But once they start to stack it, then the outside guys start to eat at that point, man. So it's, it's, a, great, it's a great situation. Those linebackers have to make a choice because last year they started getting more and more depth, and all of a sudden that invites the opportunity for the run game. And I just think they're really well equipped to do that this year, too. So looking forward to that. One more question here from my guest today, OJ McDuffie. You can find him on the Fish Tank podcast. You can find him pre and post game on the iHeartRadio app, WIOD and Big FM 105.9. Post game with me and Seth Levitt. We are having a, a great time doing that so far. I can't wait to get back for the regular season. Juice, last question here is I know you're getting ready to tape some pregame with Goldie there uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars game. What are you looking for in this preseason finale, man? Because we've heard already from Doug Peterson that the starters are going to play a quarter and a half, maybe the entire first half uh, for the Jacksonville side. And Miami, you know, Mike McDaniel, he's always going to use every day he has to make his decisions. But Thursday morning before practice mentioned that it seems like he probably will play Tua, and they'll come to a final decision on that by the time you hear this podcast. But what are you looking forward to in that game? Dolphins and Jags, some starters perhaps uh, through a good portion of the first half there. Yeah, well, their their starters can do whatever they want to do. I, I, <laughs> I've seen enough for mine. I mean, honestly, I, I really have. Um, I just want us to get through this, man. You know, we got some guys that got a little, little nicked up this week and last week. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with Tua not playing. I'm definitely okay with Tyreek not playing. I know some guys do need some opportunities, but I, I saw enough already. I'm, I'm already, and I can be this way, Travis. I'm already going to the Chargers. <laughs> you know what I mean, I'm going to the Chargers already. I want our guys to, you know, get some Chargers reps whenever they can get them. Look at some Chargers film whenever they can get them. I don't need them at all out there in this, 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 you know, this third preseason game. And I know there are some guys that need film, some guys that need the work. And I, I'm happy for those guys, but for the rest of them, I'm I'm okay with us not bringing one starter out on the field. You know, come uh, come game time. I'm not so sure you're going to get your wish, Juice. And I know that <laughs> once once the game kicks off, you, me, and Seth are all going to be like, "Well, okay, that was pretty cool to see Tua throw a touchdown pass to Tyreek there, whatever it might be." But I think all of Dolphins Nation is behind you and just want to stay healthy and, like you said, get to that Chargers game and get some guys healed up and get back. Because man, we are getting close. Football season's almost here. School's in session. To me, it's the best time of year here, Juice, uh, South Florida and anywhere else in late August and early September. OJ, thank you for your time today, man. I know you got to run and go do some uh, some pre-game hits with Goldie. Appreciate your time today, man. We'll see you soon uh, on Saturday night for the game, right? You got it, Travis, man. Hey, keep, continue the great work, my man. Appreciate you, Juice. The guy literally is the very best. Thanks again to OJ. Again, you can catch us on the post-game show. The minute the game wraps, we are going to be on the iHeart app, WIOD and 105.9 FM here in South Florida. Let's go ahead and take a break right there and come back on the other side and do my 10 camp takeaways. It's a wrap. The ne- Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Next time we talk some Dolphins football, it's going to be about a regular season game. All that's next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Mistakenly forgot to add the news to the top of the podcast. Go ahead and put it in right here, though, as the Dolphins announced a signing. Defensive tackle Jamal Woods signs a two-year contract with your Miami Dolphins. Two-year contract means probably going to be on the roster, right? And you look at the uh, interior defensive line depth coming into training camp. We all kind of looked at it and said, all right, Christian, Zach, Raekwon, that's pretty good. But beyond that, where's the veteran help? Where's the Proven resumes in the National Football League. You go out and get Deshaun Hand. He was nicked up in practice the other day. So you go out now and get Jamal Woods to make sure you have four or five guys you can rotate in there because I think the rest of the group there, we'll see if they can uh, stick on the 53-man roster. We're going to predict that here in just a moment, but we're going to, we'll see. We'll see if they can make some headways or if it's going to be practice squad for those guys. I think the two signings to Sean Hand and Jamal Woods kind of give you an indicator there. So there you go. Let's go ahead and get to my 10 camp takeaways. We'll do the first five or six here. Come back on the other side of the break and finish up with that. And then we'll also talk about my 53-man roster if I'm picking the roster based upon training camp and the preseason. Training camp takeaway number one, and my apologies for being repetitive on some of these, is the offense has expanded its capabilities. And I harped on this during the Texans recap podcast, but the ability to stress the field outside the numbers was so nice to see in that game and all throughout training camp. And look, it's not like they didn't do it last year at all. I can think of multiple throws, even just from a single game. Go to the Cleveland game last year and the back-to-back throws that Tua made to Waddle and Sherfield. The throw where JTO Sullivan said, because it's Tua, it was perfect. We had those. We had those in the back pocket. But I'm talking about certain types of throws, hinge moves, a hinge release off of a cut where you open up back to the inside of the quarterback and he's able to throw you open into that break, into that move off the top of the stem where Tua uses that elite level placement to throw those guys open. How he processes and attacks the vulnerabilities. You get a big nickel package in there who's designed more for run defense than they are to try to cover Durham Smythe one-on-one down the field like we saw in that two-way go against the Houston Texans. That... And the running back's ability to better stress the perimeter in the passing game. Eric Azucama, small sample size theater, but his run game ability with jet sweep action. We know about what Waddle and Tyreek can do on those. We know what those guys can do when you put them in the backfield and throw routes to them from that position and get reps in the backfield as decoys as well. Obviously, this team led the NFL in motion last year. Put all of that together, I feel there's a level of growth from the second year. I think they can just get to more of those pages challenge defenses in more areas of the field, get to more of those counters to we took this away. What are you going to do about it? Well, I have answer B, C, and D for you. I think we've seen it in games. I think we've seen it in training camp. Takeaway number two, I really believe in this running game. I agree that the exhibition season is not something you extrapolate too much from, but now that I've contradicted myself, I really believe in what we're seeing so far. This preseason, going into the Jacksonville game, number two in the NFL in rushing, in the exhibition season, a lot of run games are built from the grind down effect, pile up a bunch of two yard runs and then hit the home run. And I think that while this offense has the home run ability, 
obviously with the speed of Raheem and A-Chain and Savon, I think their ability to stay on schedule and influence the second level in play action is very, very real. And we, that's, I think, the criticism that McDaniel kind of accepted upon himself was when teams reacted to taking away some of that middle-of-the-field passing game with the 49ers, for instance. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw just got so much more depth to their drops. And Fred Warner talked about it. I had to extend my drops by a few yards and kind of had to bail out earlier because I knew I had to get vertical to take that stuff away. The Chargers game, that two men underneath trail coverage funnel to the help up top. You're putting guys in positions where they're not concerned about the run off the edge. So think about those two styles of attack and the way the Dolphins use the horizontal running game, the stretch zone, the outside zone, some of the toss action they run wide. If you have cornerbacks who are patently concerned about playing under the receiver, you can almost take them out and just climb your cornerbacks to the safeties. And all of a sudden, it takes one or two key blocks of a stretched out defensive line and you're into the second level in your running game. You start doing that and then all of a sudden, once they react to that, the passing game opens back up. So I think that this running game with more emphasis on it will be able to not just help the ability to run the football, but the ability to get back to your bread and butter when teams aren't taking it away. And when they are taking it away, that timing middle of the field passing game, you can you can execute by throwing the ball outside the numbers, throwing the ball to the running backs on swings and rails and screens and the screen game to receivers as well. All of this opens up each other. It's all cyclical. And the offensive line returns a lot of the same names. You have Alec Ingold in his second year, the running backs we've mentioned in their second year in the system. I think the run game success is real because we've seen the growth of it throughout camp and into the exhibition games. And of course, last year down the stretch, all as an indicator. Takeaway number three, <clears throat> the incremental improvements from Tua Tungavailoa's physical stature could have a significant impact on his game. What did Mike McDaniel say? We are getting the best version of Tua Tungavailoa that has ever existed. The physical transformation has been almost a four-year process now. You can see things differently from him. No looks are frequent all the time now. Throws on the move, that little flip to chosen he had the other day in practice. The pocket shiftiness, more zip. I've seen more scrambles this year than I've ever seen him have in a training camp. The first year he was in the NFL, he was rehabbing a hip injury that was compared to an injury you'd see in a car accident. Like the ball socket joint or whatever it was and the hip came out. The second year he was starting to rebuild strength back to pre, pre-hip injury levels of weight training. And last year it was his first full off season where he was able to do pure football training since the injury, and look at what he did. He led the NFL in passer rating, top three in a million million categories. Go talk to a wall about it. Now, he's in the second year of of that, and by all accounts, he's been hitting it even harder, as Coach talked about with how he attacked his offseason. And on top of drilling a defense that traditionally gives quarterbacks fits, young quarterbacks especially, the 2020 Charger or Denver game and last year's Chargers game, which is obviously Vic Fangio and Brandon Staley, the offshoot of Vic Fangio. Those were two games that Tua said that it was tough going against those defenses that got the best of him in those games. Getting to rep against that every day will only improve the way he sees those types of coverages and schemes and makes him understand he might have to access more of that physical ability to get positive results against those defenses. Number four takeaway. Jalen Phillips is going to be in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. All the signs point to it after a year where the numbers truthfully could have followed last year with all the pressures and hits he had. I've said it all offseason. I think the coverage improvement alone 
will help get him there. But just look at the improvements he made from year one to year two, and we know what kind of worker the guy is. I think it's completely reasonable to expect that this system, another off-season of training and studying, I think all of that will help him convert those pressures into sacks, those sacks into splash plays, and just downright a guy that teams better account for or he can ruin your entire day offensively. Takeaway number five from Dolphins Camp 2023 is the roster balance looks to have been achieved. Tyreek Hill, Teron Armstead, Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Waddell, Javon Holland, Tua Tungavailoa, Christian Wilkins, Xavier Howard, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips. As a Dolphins fan right now, you're saying those guys could all be pro bowlers. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten names. The, the top level, or the level of top line guys this team has brought in, and I'm probably even forgetting some on that list going back to 2020, really has been among the best in the league. And to maximize those guys' ability and round out a roster with depth and quality each position, you have to hit on some draft picks. You have to hit on lower market free agents. I'm watching Cam Smith and Devon Chain. I'm watching Julian Hill have a really strong camp. I'm seeing Eric Ezukama and Channing Tindall take a step forward. Seeing Isaiah Wynn have an awesome camp in preseason and pretty much locking down the left guard job. I think Raheem Mostert is the best back that folks don't talk about around the league. He took over five yards per carry in his career. I'm watching Cater Coe, who have the look of an elite player. Legit think that's where his arc is headed towards. I'm seeing David Long come over for relatively cheap, transform the middle of the defense. Raekwon Davis looks the best he ever has. Andrew Van Ginkle does everything, and he adds that this year with off-ball linebacker in his resume. I'm seeing guys like Elijah Campbell and Savon Ahmed, who have been a two- or three-year build now from guys that could go from depth and special teams to potentially helping your offense and defense out. I've said it all along. I think this is one of, if not the best roster in the NFL, and that's from 1 to 53. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back on the other side and do some more takeaways, and I'll also give you my 53-man roster prediction. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Putting a bow on Dolphins Camp 2023. I told you all the good that I thought about right there. I want to get to a few things that I think you can be a little bit concerned about as every team has concerns heading into the new NFL season. Takeaway number six is the offensive line issues that existed a year ago could potentially still exist this year. But the silver lining of that is you still were the number six ranked offense in the NFL, despite not having your quarterback for five games and several of the guys up front in that piece as well. But to go into this season with the relative unknown at right tackle and left guard has to give you a little bit of pause there. I do think the depth is better and the Dolphins have more options to fill in those places. And I think that between Isaiah Wynn's arrival and what Rob Jones was giving you before his injury, I do think that left guard position is going to be a lot better. And I do go back to my theory about the right tackle position where I think that Kendall Lamb's probably the best suited option for that spot. But I can see the thinking with Austin Jackson and how he stresses teams even more in the outside zone running game because of the work he does do in the running game and how Tua's strength is mitigating poor protection, which has been the case at that position for a few years now with this Dolphins club. I can see where it all comes together, but if you have one area of consternation on the roster, it has to be the offensive line. 
and of course an injury or two here or there really throws the whole depth into a whack. But that's the entire league. So I think most teams would have this concern as they head into the regular season. Number seven takeaway is the backup quarterback has not asserted himself in the way you would have hoped. And I think that that can be thought of as a bit of a positive because for me, I think Skylar Thompson's looked better than I thought he would and Mike White maybe a little bit less so than I thought he would. And his injury obviously contributes to that in a big way because uh, to me, he's the clear cut number two. But him having the concussion, missing the final game here of the regular of the preseason, I think invites more of the competition there from preseason MVP Skylar Thompson. But I think that you would have liked to have seen just a little bit more assertion from Mike White taking that backup quarterback role. Takeaway number eight from training camp, and this is more about the exhibition games because we've had two of those and you don't really get a chance to watch it play out live in the practices. I'm still worried about special teams. I think that you'd be kind of crazy not to be just based upon the punting in the preseason so far, the field goal kicking or the kicking unit from last year and the missed field goals we had there. And then the coverage units just missing tackles. We saw a big run back by the, the Falcons in that game because of a short punt. We saw the excuse me, we saw the um, the big return in the Houston game as well. So just you kind of worry about a unit that's been kind of struggling for a couple of years now. Can they put it back together here? They're going to have to in 2023. Takeaway number nine, back to the things I'm excited about. Alec Ingle was such a major value add two years ago. And speaking of special teams, we saw Alec on the as the personal protector on punt team. I think it's a big role that people don't often think about. We saw him lead some big rushing performances late in the season last year. We saw him involved in the passing game, but now he's had a full camp of a full go red non-contact Jersey, you know, aside from missing some time with the small injury he had for a couple of weeks there, but uh, he's not back working his way back from an ACL is what I really mean here. I think his versatility that he adds to the offense, both in the run game and the passing game is something we should not overlook. He forces defense to play left-handed because of the package versatility you can offer with him. You want to run that nickel package? Go ahead. We're going to run a fullback at your undersized DB and just run the ball down your throats all game. Big fan of Alec Ingold's game. And takeaway number 10, I think this defense is going to be really, really, really good. I think with Jalen Ramsey, they were the number one defense in the NFL. I think without him, they're still top 10. And we keep hearing about this, the details of Vic Fangio, the emphasis on fundamentals and technique. I think we're already seeing the positive impacts of his defense and the way coverage is working. Very excited to see them go against Trevor Lawrence and a good passing attack tomorrow. And I, I just, like, how many teams go this deep? Wilkins, Sealer, Davis, Hand. That's four proven interior players. Phillips, Chubb, Ogba. That's three really good pass rushers than Van Ginkle and Malik Reed. But three of those guys have been top 10 in pass rush win rate and run block or run game win rate. As recently as 2021, Gink and Reed, super efficient rushers, X, Kohu, Cam, Apple, that's before you factor in Ramsey and eventually Nick Needham, that's as good as any top team or team up top and their depth, Holland, Jones, and Elliott, I think there's tons of flexibility there, the ability to play big nickel and really rotate the three in any role because of their versatility. I don't know, man. I think the ups and downs of the offense and camp were because of facing this defense that has clicked really quickly and looks the part here so far. Uh, in 2023. So that's my 10 takeaways from camp. I've been kicking around this concept for a minute now, my 53-man roster. I did the depth chart a while back. Let's go ahead and give you my prediction before the Jacksonville game of what the 53-man roster could look like. I have three quarterbacks, Tua Tungavailoa, Mike White, and Skylar Thompson. No surprise there. I have five running backs on my roster. No surprises here really either. Raheem Mostert, Devon A. Chains, my number two from camp. Savon Ahmed's my three, then Jeff Wilson. And then, of course, Alec Ingold, your fullback. I kept, ah, this, this spot is tough too. I kept six receivers. And what I did was this. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Braxton Berrios, Eric Ezukama, 
Robbie Chosen and Cedric Wilson. I know the Cougs fans out there are going to come after me, but I'll hang with me here for a second. Tight end, I kept three. Durham Smythe, Tyler Croft, and Julian Hill on the offensive line. Teron Armstead, Isaiah Wynn, Connor Williams, Rob Hunt, Austin Jackson. That's your top five. I put Rob Jones on the IR, so I kept Kendall Lamb, Dan Feeney, and Liam Eichenberg to give me nine there. Uh, on the interior defensive line, Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis, Deshaun Hand, and Jamal Woods off the edge. Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, Emmanuel Ogba, Andrew Van Ginkle, Malik Reed, and Cameron Good is on my roster. I think he's been working his butt off. I think he can contribute on special teams and give you some uh, pass rush depth there as well. At linebacker, David Long, Jerome Baker, Andrew Van Ginkle, Channing Tindall, and Duke Riley. Actually, we got to get Van Ginkle out of there because I already kept him once, which means I'm going to add another. Uh, no, I'm not going to add anybody. That's, that's still good the way it is. Uh, at cornerback, Jalen Ramsey will go on IR, obviously, but Xavier Howard, Cater Kohu, Cam Smith, Eli Apple, Noah Igbenogany, that's right again, and Justin Bethel, we'll see if he comes back for the injury, and then I have four safeties, Javon Holland, Deshaun Elliott, Brandon Jones, and Elijah Campbell, Nick Needham on PUP, Jason Sanders, Jake Bailey, and Blake Ferguson. For my practice squad, Chris Brooks, uh, Robbie, no, no, sorry, River Craycraft, Braylon Sanders, Tanner Connor. Elijah Higgins, Ryan Hayes, Keon Smith, Lester Cotton, Brandon Peely, Jalen Twyman, Mitchell Agude, Garrett Nelson, Aubrey Miller, Verone McKinley, Bryce Thompson, and Key Drawn Smith. There you go. That's the prediction for the roster. That's the podcast. You guys all please be sure to check out the post-game show tomorrow after the Jaguars game. Also, we'll have the podcast recap for you early on Sunday morning. In the meantime, though, it's going to be my time. You all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Winkle NFL as well as on Instagram. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with my guys Seth and Juice. Check out the YouTube channel for media available abilities dolphins today we have all kinds of content on there as well with drive time and on fish tank and very last but not least check out miamidolphins.com fins up until next time caroline cameron daddy is coming home